0: what it does to my throat and nose so but I'll take allergies all day long if it can feel like this outside like that's fine I don't need to breathe I don't need to smell anything it's great when I was making uh the red beans and rice for Wednesday like I keep on like taste testing it but all I could taste was hot (laughs) yes sir fried chicken please sign up because we need to know how much fried chicken to get we're having fried chicken I'm so excited Six thirty, three bucks. You can't go anywhere. Like KFC doesn't have fried chicken for six bucks. Three bucks. (laughs) Can't smell and I can't add. That's awesome. So uh, for red beans and rice, it's hot. I don't know if it's salty. I don't know if it's spicy. So I had everybody else tasting. Is it okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. But in the South, you can't really trust people when they compliment you. I went to a friend's wedding last night in, uh, in Nashville, and they're just rich. That's what they are. So they rented out all these big things, and they had valet parking. I didn't have to park my car. I didn't have to pay for parking. They paid for my parking. I handed my key to the guy, and my inside door handle doesn't work. So I was like, <laughs> you got you to gotta open it from the outside, and he'd die. <laughs> he was like, I have a car that does the exact same thing, so I was hanging out. With a bunch of, uh, you know, well-dressed people with, like, cool haircuts. Because it's Nashville and everybody's cool in Nashville. Hey, guys, what's up? So that's what I did. And I, you know, was screaming for my uh, friends to get married. So all of that. And I've got this really cool, deep, cool voice. So I want to start off today with uh, telling you about a story about a guy. And uh, understand that I'm probably not going to cry because it has nothing to do with a tree giving anything to a boy. So I'm good this week. So this guy um, was uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. You know, nothing cool comes from Omaha. Do we have anybody from Omaha? Any Nebraskians? I love you. Never mind. One cool thing comes from Omaha. Thank you. One cool thing comes from Omaha. Well, this guy, uh, his name's Oscar. Zoroaster, Fandrig, Isaac, Norman Hinkle, Emmanuel, Ambrose Diggs, he got picked on in school. So uh, he worked at a circus, and there wasn't anything really special about him other than he lied very effectively. Have you ever met kids like that? It's like, "Whoa, man, <laughs> you need to go and show business. So uh, he uh, learned a bunch of stagecraft, he learned how to do like stage illusions, and he tricked a whole bunch of people. Worked at a circus um, as it was going around. Well, he had a hot air balloon, it had his name, part of his name, because you can't fit it on a hot air balloon. He had his name on this hot air balloon, and he was hanging out uh, one day in his hot air balloon, and his hot air balloon got away from him. Has your hot air balloon ever gotten away from you? It happens to me all the time. It's very frustrating. So he started floating away, and there's no engine in a hot air balloon. You know, it's just hot air. And so he just starts drifting across on the currents, you know, and seeing the world pass by below him. Well, eventually, like, he runs out of hot air, which is hard for me sometimes. And so his balloon starts coming down, and he rests in this land. he has no idea where he was. He doesn't have the new iPhone 7. His Google Maps was not working. He had no idea. Okay, so my phone's been cutting off. It's not Apple's fault. It's my fault somehow. I don't know how, but it's my fault. So my phone's been cutting out, and I'm driving around Nashville, um, and I was going to a place that I didn't. I didn't know where I needed to go, and I was like on 2%, and I'm like, if this thing goes dead, I'm, I'm gone. I can't call anybody. I don't, I don't know how to get around. So he didn't have his Google Maps. He didn't have his Apple Maps. So he started looking around. And he met a whole bunch of people that didn't look like him. He was like, I am in a foreign land. And uh, he met this lady, and her name was Mombi, And she was this evil witch. Well, as evil witches are likened to do, she got angry at him, started oppressing the land, And so all the people of the land were like, hey, man, hot air balloon guy, will you come help us? Well, on the side of his hot air balloon, he had his name, the Great and Powerful. So they were like, he's a wizard. So they got this wizard to go protect them from this evil witch, Mombi. So he got together, and since he doesn't have any magical powers, but he knows that in like old stories, These wizards have these rules. There's a whole bunch of rules that wizards follow by. And the first one is like the most important wizard's rule. And the first wizard's rule is that people are dumb. I know, it's very shocking. People are dumb and given proper motivation, almost anyone will believe almost anything. But because people are dumb, they will believe a lie because they want to believe that it's true or they're afraid that it's true. People's heads are full of knowledge, facts, and belief, and most of it's false. Yet they think it's all true, okay? So Mombi thought that this was a great and powerful wizard that was going to come challenge her authority. So she started fighting against him, and so the people of this new land thought, "Hey, we have this amazing wizard that's going to defend or defend us from this evil witch Mombi." And this is a guy from Omaha. <laughs> it's like, I got nothing, but he knows stage tricks. And so what he did was he lied to the entire nation. He lied to the evil witch Mombi, and because he knew the wizard's first rule. He beat Mombi, And so the, the people in this land like put him over as the ruler of the entire nation. Okay, so he shortened his, uh, his name because you would too if you had nine names. And so he took the first initials of his first two names because the rest of his name, uh, if you spell it out with his initials, says Pinhead. And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want the great and powerful wizard, O.Z. Pinhead. So he shortened it to the great and powerful Oz. And so as he started aging, he got trapped, and he was never able to tell the truth. Because, like, have you guys ever told a lie, and you just have to keep on telling the lie, and it grows and grows and grows until eventually this old, feeble man is trapped behind curtains that he created. Everybody in the land thinks that he is this awesome, powerful wizard, but it's all an illusion. It's all a sham. And so that's how eventually we have Dorothy and her friends show up to Oz, the great and powerful. And he scares them, terrifies them. It was one of my favorite uh, scenes in, in Wizard of Oz, just in case anyone's not in on the joke. It's the Wizard of Oz. Um, and so when he's like booming and there's explosions and fire and the cowardly lion just hauls down the hallway and jumps sideways out the window. It's one of my favorite scenes um, in, uh, in that movie. So... What does that have to do with Jesus? Well, a lot to do with Jesus. It's like they're talking about wizards and witches at church today. We're not. I promise we're not. Um, we've been talking about love and how it's important that we be loving God and it's, how it's important that we love each other. But remember that that's, that's not something we have to create. We don't have to generate love. Does anyone know what uh, apple farmers grow? Hair. They grow hair. Trees grow Apples. Apple farmers don't grow apples, and so you as a believer, it is not your job to grow love. That is the Holy Spirit's job to grow love. It's our job to tend the trees of love, but it it comes from him. He's the source, and so God has done something amazing inside of us that he has taken love because it's who he is, and he has dumped love down into our hearts, not only to turn back over to him to express love to God in worship, but also to love you know, the people that are sitting next to you, even if they have bad breath, even the people at Walmart, even the people that cut you off in the intersection, it is easy. It's the most natural uh, feeling that we have to instantly express love to everybody. You open up like your news and like you see all the idiots in the news and like your first thought is, I love them so much. You see the guy that like short changes you at the gas station, like, and your first response is to love them. I promise you, it doesn't feel like that, but I promise you that that's your first response. So if our first response is to naturally love people, what, what's the problem? Because, you know, I don't, I don't naturally love people. I don't feel like I naturally love people. Well, the problem is that God puts it inside of us to naturally love God and to naturally love other people. But the problem is that he has not blessed us to be able to love illusions. He's not blessed us to be able to love a lie. And the problem is, is that we start at a very early age cloaking ourselves with illusions to protect ourselves from really scary people. So you're a five-year-old kid and you go to school and really quickly you realize that if I act like myself, if I, if I do what I want to, I get in trouble and no one talks to me or I get beat up. So at a very early age, we learn to not be ourselves. We learn to be whoever our friends need us to be, because we're social creatures. And if you if you're the black sheep, you know, like chemically, your brain doesn't produce the right stuff when you are, when you are ostracized from your community. So what do we do? We change who we are so that we can fit in a little bit better. And sometimes that's okay. Like I know I don't want to get uh, too in depth over here, but like hey. I just want to out everybody and say, we know you pick your nose. I know it. Your truth is out. But you have learned you get made fun of if you do that in public. So you don't do that in public. And there's nothing wrong with cloaking yourself with the illusion of, pick my nose, I don't pick my nose. Weirdos pick their nose. We all know you do it. It's okay. But there's nothing wrong for you to learn that, that costume, that It's not really who I am, but it's who I am so that I can be social around other human beings. We change who we are so that we can fit in with uh, society. And sometimes that's really great. Sometimes it's healthy. You brush your teeth. Thank you so much for brushing your teeth because it lets you fit in with other people. But sometimes when we use those costumes in in a kind of a messed up way, it creates a layer of dysfunction around us. And we feel that we have to do this in order to get by. Like, where does the bully learn how to bully? Like, there's no bully school that these punk kids go to and it's like, we're going to teach you how to give purple nurples and swirlies. Like, there's no class on the Internet. Well, there's probably a class on the Internet for that. But what happens is a kid shows up and experiences fear. Like, oh gosh, I am afraid. I don't like feeling afraid. So what they do, they learn fear. I know exactly what fear feels like. And when you learn it, you can turn it around and start using it on other people. I don't want to be afraid, so therefore I'm going to make you afraid. You stay way far away from there because there are, what, what's actually happening is they seem like this great and powerful Oz. I'm gonna keep you at arm's distance, but meanwhile, there's a feeble old guy hidden behind a curtain. Please don't discover me for who I really am. I am a scared child. But I can't let you see that scared child, so I'm gonna scare you away. And we use these dysfunctional shields out in front of us to protect our hearts. Because the world's a scary place sometimes. Have you ever gotten your feelings hurt from your friends, from your family members? Much less people that don't even know you. Like the people that are the closest to us can hurt us sometimes. So we have these shields out in front of us, and so those shields will say, fear me. Have you ever run into that person wearing that shield like at a restaurant? Have you ever gotten frustrated at a restaurant or like a place of business, and you used fear to get your way? Like, and we say this, well, I tried being nice, and it didn't work. So I'm gonna reach into my uh, toolbox, and I'm gonna get out my big hammer, and I'm going to force you into doing things my way, and I'm gonna use fear, intimidation, you better do this or else. You ever done that? I've done that. Feels so good when you're doing that. And I always think of uh, Star Wars. I don't always think of Star Wars, but when that happens, I do think of Star Wars. When Luke says, so is the dark side stronger? Yoda says, no. It is quicker to a fight. It's the easy path. It's the shortcut to get what you want. Because the other way is to be nice. (laughs) Being nice takes forever. I got hit by a semi-truck one time, and it was not the most fun experience of my life. My car got hit by a semi-truck. I didn't get hit by a semi-truck. My car got hit by a semi-truck, and it was it was not my fault. A guy uh, changed lanes on me, and I had to drive a little Kia, and it, his truck was a lot bigger than my Kia. Um, so and I, like, I didn't get a scratch on me. I'm very thankful for that. Um, but the insurance company that the trucker was working with was going out of business. <laughs> Yay. So, like, I'd call him, like, hey, (laughs) you're going to send me a check because your guy hit me, and so I need you to pay my guy because I need to get my car fixed. So, I've got, like, the trash bag on the side of the, (laughs) have you ever done that? Have you ever had to do that? So, I'm doing that for, like, three months, and I'm talking to this lady who lives probably in Omaha, talking to this lady, and she's like, and they have no money, like, they're going, they're literally going bankrupt, and she's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, like, Tell me that you're going to send me a check because I need to get my car fixed. And so she eventually said, okay, check's in the mail. It'll be there here in like a week. Well, a week goes by, and so I call her. I'm like, listen, lady, I've been talking to you for two months. I don't care about your excuses I don't want to hear anything that you've got going on. The next words out of your mouth better be, I am so sorry that it's taken me so long. There is a check in the mail right now. Or you know what I'm going to do? I am going to sue you. You know, I've just lost my mind. She said, I am so sorry. She's crying. I am so sorry. I will make sure that I get a check overnighted to you. And in two days, I had a check to fix my car. (laughs) I got my way, but I had to get my way at the expense of her. And that is not how we do things as a believer. Have you ever used guilt, pity, to manipulate friends and family members into, into loving you? I got stung by a wasp one time, and I don't do wasps well. And so we're having a big uh, party over at uh, the park over in Allgood. I got stung by a wasp, but my finger was swelling up, and I started going around to people like I got stung by a wasp. And they're like, oh, Yeah, no. Mom, <laughs> I need someone to feel sorry for me. So I went up to Michelle. I went, Michelle, I got stung by a wasp. She went, I'm so sorry, that must hurt. I'm like, it does hurt. Made me feel so good that someone experienced my pain, was emotionally present with me at the moment. But I played up an injury, because it's a wasp sting, you know, my hand's not gonna fall off. But it's easy for me to make pretend that I'm more hurt than I actually am so that I can get sympathy from you. So one of our shields is please find me attractive, please find me useful, please be afraid of me, please pity me. And so we use these dysfunctional personality types to protect us as a survival mechanism because why? They work. And if you don't grow up in an incredibly healthy environment, you do whatever you got to do to survive. And so if you went into like a boarding school and you were like, okay, nobody lie, Nobody bully each other. Everybody just play nice. Those kids are going to get ripped apart because there's not a protection over that um, uh, social dynamic. There's not a protection over some families that will protect them to expose their hearts. And so what do they have to do? They have to harden their heart. They have to callous their heart really quick. And so what happens is we have a church full of people that have different layers of dysfunction around our hearts. And half the time we don't even know that they're there. The person sitting next to you probably realizes that they're there more than you do. Because our dysfunction seems normal to us. Like, did you know that your house smells? Your house smells. But you're used to that smell, and so it smells normal to you. Like, I had a friend, like, when I was a little kid, his grandfather's house smelled like pepper. Like, why does your whole house smell like pepper? And everybody thought I was a crazy person. I'm like, no, your house smells like pepper. So we get used to our own particular brand of dysfunction. And But when we come into contact with somebody else and your dysfunction looks different than mine, ooh, man, you're a crazy person. It's like, well, I am too, but my crazy is normal. Your crazy is strange. You keep your crazy way over there and I'll keep my crazy way over here. We'll hang out with the normal people. You go hang out with the crazies. And so we do that, but meanwhile, There is an Oscar living living on the inside of us, that is terrified of getting exposed. We say, "Hey, fear this great and powerful Oz, or pity this great and powerful Oz, or think this great and powerful Oz is attractive or useful." Meanwhile, there is a little scared man or woman, just trying to keep up the lie. Don't find me out, please don't discover me. But meanwhile, the Holy Spirit's going around like Toto trying to pull back the curtain. He's not going to shatter your illusion. He's not going to out you in front of everybody. He's not going to expose you. But at the same time, he is going to peel back that curtain so that people get a, a peek at who that Oscar is living on the inside of you. And I'm telling you guys, when you discover the Oscar that's hiding inside of an Oz, it is easy to love that person. It is easy to take pity on that person and to have compassion with them. That's why I said that your natural response is to love. Your natural response is to have compassion, grace, and mercy when you see somebody. But unfortunately, it's rare that we see somebody. A lot of times we get confronted with Oz's and we have a lack of Oscars in our life. So what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is trying to get us into relationship so that someone can feel comfortable enough to start letting down all of their stuff. Letting down their barrier, letting down their uh, their guards. Okay, so uh, Jesus told a story one time. There's a guy in charge of a wheat field. Have you ever been in charge of a wheat field? I've not been in charge of a wheat field. Been in charge of corn. Um, been in charge of hay, but we didn't really care about weeds in hay because you just you know cows ate weeds as much as they ate hay. So you just mow it, you know, mow it together, bale it up. Cows eat all the stuff. But people don't really like eating weeds. Uh, Monsanto disagrees, but (laughs) that's all my four uh, organic people in the room. um, Okay, so Jesus is telling the story that uh, there's this guy in charge of a wheat field. And this enemy goes out and spreads weed seeds in with the wheat. (laughs) You're big and bad. Like, I'm going to get you. Here's my weeds. I was like, I guess that's our version of like cutting someone's brake line or something like that. So he's like, I got you, I got weeds in your wheat. (laughs) So the the guy's helpers come back and like, pause, there's weeds in our wheat. What are we ever going to do? It's the worst day that they've ever had. And the guy that was in charge of the wheat field said, don't do anything because I love this wheat so much and I'm afraid that you're going to hurt this wheat. If you try to get the weeds out, I'm really scared about uh, harming my wheat. So I'll tell you what, I'll let it all grow up together. I'll protect the the harvest. I'll make sure that I don't lose one uh, stalk of wheat. And so when everything matures up, I can tell easily the difference between a weed and a wheat plant. And so the, the owner of this field let everything grow up, and when he harvested it, it was easy for him to separate. Well, that's the same thing that the Lord did with us. Like when we read that, we think like, oh, I'm a wheat and you're a weed and God's going to take you up and throw you into a fire. <laughs> but no, like what the, what the enemy did was so junk in our own hearts. And so in my heart, there is a whole lot of wheat and there's a whole lot of weeds. And so what the Lord did on the cross was separate those two things. He let those things grow up for thousands of years and then at, at Calvary, he separated it. So that he can easily look into our hearts and go, this is Oz, this is Oscar. Because before that, our identities were the exact same. You couldn't tell the difference between an Oz and an Oscar. And so the Lord didn't want to bring judgment on something and hurt you in the process. So what he did, he sent Jesus to the cross to be able to separate you from your junk. So that he could judge your junk and protect you. I want to read a verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 6. Starting in verse 9, and this is going to sound very scary. said, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? It's like, wow, Paul, way to go. Don't fool yourself. Those that indulge in sexual sin, or worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or are greedy. Has anyone ever been greedy? Or are drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people. Have you ever cheated? none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. Like, all right. So we make a big stink about certain sins, and it's like, or cheated people. Well, that, that's all of us, right? Have you ever been greedy? Have you ever cheated somebody? Well, that's all of us. You are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul says something amazing in verse 11. He says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And we know by reading the rest of Corinthians that the Corinthians were still doing these things. Their actions hadn't really changed, but their identity, who they were, changed. And so Paul is saying, hey guys, there is a big difference between your oz, who you're wanting everybody to think that you are, your dysfunction, and who you really are as a person. These people, Oz, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, thank God you are not Oz. Thank God you are Oscar. You are this amazing human being that God created, gave life to, birthed inside of this scary world. And God is coming after you to find your Oscar. Don't feel like, well, I'm just a a weed God's going to pick me up and throw me into the fire. No, he's doing everything that he can to separate you away from your d- junk, your dysfunction, your weirdness. See, what love does is sees past the illusion of Oz to see the Oscar inside. But the problem is, like, I can't see into your heart like without, like, an echocardiogram or something like that. Then I could see into your heart, but I don't want to do that. But I can't see the Oscar inside of you without the power of the Holy Spirit letting me know who you are. Um, there is uh, there's something in counseling circles that's called unconditional positive regard. So if you ever go to a counselor and, uh, like, it kind of gets made fun of, you know, someone sitting on a couch and, well, I hit somebody with a car this week. And the counselor goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are those choices working out for you? You know, like you can tell a counselor anything and they're not going to go, you did what? I know. <gasps> That's it. You're done. I can't talk to you anymore. Like a counselor's not going to do that because we believe in something called unconditional positive regard. You can tell me anything and I'm not going to flip out. I'm not going to run away. No matter what you've got going on in your life, I have dedicated to not be scared of it. So you can come lay a bombshell in my office. Hmm. Okay. All right. Does that mean that I agree with everything that everyone does? No, I don't agree with half the things that I do, much less anybody else. But I'm not going to treat you like an idiot. I'm not going to come after you. I am not going to defend myself against your odds because that's not who you are. Like, hey, I hit somebody with a car or, hey, I've been cheating on my taxes for like 12 years. I'm not going to get scared of that because you're not a cheat. You're not a thief. I killed somebody. Well, that doesn't make you a murderer. I committed adultery, but that doesn't make you an adulterer. So Your dysfunction does not define you. See, God, through the cross, looks past all of your dysfunction to see the real you inside of you. And this is not like the real you that if I just let my walls down and be who I naturally am as a person. That's not who I'm talking about. Because we are so used to our dysfunction, usually it is easier for us to act dysfunctional than it is for us to act healthy. See, you as a natural person do not intentionally lie. When you lie, it's because you think that you have to. And so what God is saying is like, hey, you can tell me anything. You can do anything you want. I'm not going to get scared at your dysfunction because that's not who you are. He sees past that scary, weird, dysfunctional craziness that you've got, and he sees you as a person. And what I was saying a couple of weeks ago is that God loves you as you are, not as you should be because he sees past all of your pretenses, he sees past all of your failures, he looks through all of that junk to find who you are. And he's perfectly happy with who you are as a person, but that person is hidden way down deep inside. Okay, so that's our entire world. Our entire world has these Oz's, has these shields, has these things that are protecting this scared old little man or little woman that's inside of you, he's, Oz is protecting your Oscar. That's how the world feels. And a lot of people in the world feel that the church is a scarier environment than out there. Doesn't matter where they got that message. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not. But the problem is that a lot of people that are not in church today feel that this place is a scary environment, right? I know that it's not true. I know that we have an amazing, loving church. I get that. But they don't. So how in the world do we convince an entire world full of people, like, I'm not scared of your dysfunction? I'm not going to run screaming. I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. I'm not going to be like, man, did you see that crazy that was in here? Oh, gosh, they're crazy. We're not going to do that. We love you. We see past your Oz to look for your Oscar. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to be consistent. Remember when I was talking about uh, unconditional positive regard? How does a client start opening up to a counselor? Well, it takes time. I have to say something kind of scary in front of you, realize that you're not going to flip out, and then, okay, I can trust you a little bit more. I can let down some of my walls. And together in a family, you can start discovering who somebody is as an actual person, but it takes time and it takes consistency. So as we have uh, people interact with us corporately as a church, people come in off the streets, people come in from outside in the community. We have to be consistent. We know that we're amazing and we know that we're loving, but they don't. So we have to tell people that. Hey, I love you. And it's not just with our words. It's also with our actions. All right, so what's one of the ways that we can express the fact that I'm not going to run away from you? Hey, do you want to come sit with us? Hey, we're going to go get coffee later. Do you want to come hang out with us? I'm not running away from you. Come here closer. The reason why I really started going to church is because the pastor's kid invited me to sit with the youth group. (laughs) Shocking revelation of the gospel. No one opened up a Bible to me. No one explained to me like, well, this is the process of how the Holy Spirit comes inside and moves on the heart of a teenager. He didn't do that. He said, hey, do you want to come sit with us? Sure. My life changed because someone asked me to sit with them at church. And you guys can do that. Like, you don't have to have the solutions or answers to any of life's problems because none of us do, right? We're all trying to make it just as much as anybody else. And so some of us in the room that look really successful that's just because you're seeing us from the outside. You don't realize that like, it's like a duck when he's swimming. You know, on the surface of the lake, everything looks really calm. But on the underneath, it's like, ah, I'm just barely struggling to make it. You can invite someone to hang out with you. Hey, you want to come sit with us? Hey, why don't you come hang out with us in class? Hey, who are you? Who's your mom and them? Where'd you grow up? Tell me more about you. Let me take a step closer to you because everybody in the world is trying to keep people away from them. Stay away from my Oscar. You stay out here. So what do we do as a response? We push past that scary Oz and we go, "Hey, do not you come hang out with me? I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna let your Oz scare me away from you. See, like I know that our church is amazing, and I am so thankful that I get to go to a church that, like, if you want to wear a three-piece suit, go for it, man. If you want to come to church in shorts." Go for it. We couldn't care less. It doesn't change our opinion on you. Like, if you want to, like, in worship, if you want to wave your hands, if you want to get vocal, go for it. And if you spend your worship time out in the coffee shop, go for it. Like, I don't care. Like, you don't have to impress anybody in this room. We're not looking for you to look cool. We're not looking for you to be impressive. We're not looking for you to be super spiritual. That's why we try to use words that people know what we're talking about when we say them. We try not to act super spiritual. I try not to act like, well, If you guys could just get on our level, then you can really have uh, something going on. We're all in this together, and I love you for who you are, not the cool person that that you're wanting me to be. So um, every day you are going to be bumping into Oz's, and your own personal Oz is wanting to react against that. Let's try to not do that. It would be dumb for me to say, never respond out of anger, never respond or anything like that. That's dumb. We're all going to do that. I'm going to lose my temper on people. I get that, but I'm trying not to. When I'm dealing with the really irritating person on the other side of the phone, I'm trying to go, okay, I'm not talking to this person. I'm talking to their oz. Can I look past them, like, ruining my day to find them as a person. When you're bumping into someone at church, when you're bumping into someone at work and they're really struggling or they're really straining your ability to love effectively, oh, bless your heart. Man, you're a pain in my hip. Look past that junk. Like, because there's an amazing person hidden on the inside of them that is trapped by their dysfunction. So kind of peel back the layers and get, get a hold of them. And to close, my last closing... To let the curtain down on my Oscar a little bit, um, we fail. Like, as leaders of the church, there are a lot of times that I forget your name, and I act like I don't. (laughs) Have you ever noticed me doing that? Hey, you. How are you? I forgot their name. I will send people across the room who are like, hey, I've already asked their name 15 times. I'm out of asks. Will you go ask their name for me and, like, report back? I do that, oh, because I am a flawed human being. I try to say, like, really cool things, like, when I see people, like, hey, what's up? And my brain tries to come up with, like, some cool phrase to make you like me and to be impressed, you know. And usually something dumb comes falling out of my mouth. I went to a Starbucks one time. This is the most horrible story ever. This one time, this is horrible. Um, went to Starbucks, and this really cute girl that was working there, and so I had not been at Starbucks in a while, because who can afford that? Um, so I came back, and she said, hey, I haven't seen you. Where have you been? And my brain goes searching for something cool and witty to say, and what does my brain come up with? I've been avoiding you. <laughs> my own brain sabotaged me. Have you ever done that? Tried to say something really cool and just like. And of course you can't can't point it out. Like you have to go, I'm just kidding. Can I just have my coffee and can I just go back to bed? I do that. Like there is a temptation in my heart to put up a big, attractive Oz in front of you. I want to be the coolest pastor in the world. I want to meet all of your problems. I want to solve all of your issues. I want to meet every need that you have. But the honest truth is, like, that's not true. As cool as I am, there is an Oscar that is hidden on the inside of me just the same way as you. So how about, and I've, I'm again, I'm so thankful that we go to a church that we can let our our illusions kind of fall down. But let's continue with that because if we don't, If we don't try to do it intentionally, it's never going to work. So I just want to stand in front of you to say, like, hey, I'm trying to be myself around you guys. Try to be yourself around us. Try to be yourself around the other people sitting next to you. Because remember, Oz never solved any problems. Oz isn't a great and powerful wizard. Your angry person that you're trying to use will never solve your problems. Your manipulative side of your personality is never going to solve any of your problems. Oscar was the one that saved the day. But he never believed, he never had confidence in himself that he could do that. He was the one that was in charge. He was the superhero. But instead of thinking that Clark Kent can save the day, we all have to act like Superman. So we have to walk around lying to each other and lying to ourselves the whole time believing that we're the worst people in the world. And that is simply not true. God created you who you are. He intended you to save the world not your super spiritual side, not your really impressive side, not your angry person, not your alter ego. He blessed you to be able to save the world. And if you keep you hidden inside of a vault, you're never gonna be able to save the day. So like as uh, you know, we're going through Halloween and as kids are starting to put on costumes, let's start taking some of them off. Because you are way cooler when you're just being you than when you're trying to be really impressive. I am way more impressive when I'm just being me than when I'm trying to impress some girl at Starbucks. Avoiding uh, you. What's wrong with me? Jeez, oh, Pete. It's funny. Like, I, I told her that. Uh, we know each other now. And I told her that. She was like, that is adorable. I'm like, that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> that is so adorable. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking to me. All right. So go ahead and uh, stand up and uh Put a hand on a shoulder of the of your neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, scooch closer. And we're just going to pray for help because it is hard. It's so.